0: That's old school stuff. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And Brother Dan, just a word to you. You know, you'll be ready to uh, give me some extra prayer clause tonight if I need them, correct? Thank you so much. Hey, let's see here. Where am I at here? Did I do something wrong here? Hallelujah. Yeah, thank you, Father. Well, I must have been drunk doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I was studying it and I put it together wrong. Hey, I wanted to share something as we get started tonight. And thank you for coming. And I hope you'll come back tomorrow morning We we'll you teach something different. I may teach something in the morning. I don't know if I've ever taught exactly. So you need to be here if you're available. And then tomorrow night's our last service. But thank you for coming. Amen. This is a busy time. <coughs> But you know what? You get what you sow for. Yes, sir. All of these preachers and all of you, we've taught you well on sowing and reaping, giving and receiving, seed time and harvest. And remember it's always not one without the other. Mm -hmm. There's no harvest without seeding. That's right. Amen. Yes, sir. There's no receiving without giving. So, you know, you just need to realize it. But thank you for making it a priority. You know, I've tried to make God a priority in my life for over four decades. I've maybe missed a few things, but not a lot overall. I feel like I've asked God about it in my own life, and take the correction if He gives it. But a lot of times He says you're doing great right there in this area over here. Though I need you to help do something different. So I say, fine. I'll straighten out. That's why you need. I had you pray. I'm willing to change. Yes, but I had an unusual situation at the Flocks Church. In uh, <clears throat> I think you could re- help me remember this, Pastor Sonny. But. Uh, I think it was uh, when I came to your church in uh, maybe June that it happened about the truck driver. I was at their church, I think just doing a one-night healing meeting. And I, I don't even remember if people needed prayer clause. But as you know, sometimes I'll get into that and say, bring me some prayer clause, Dan. I want to pray over them. And maybe I've already ministered to you. So it's not really for you, but somebody you might know. And I've had really just unusual success with this. Even uh, Melvin sitting back here, he just sat down, one of our ushers, he got a prayer cloth for me uh, about four years ago, four or five. He had pneumonia, I think, and God healed him. He didn't even receive it. Somebody here that knew him got one from me and took it to him. And he laid it aside after he was healed of that. And then just recently, I don't know, the last year, he strained his back or did something, injured your back. And he said, I went and got their prayer cloth and put it on my back and slept and woke up healed. (laughs) You know, sometimes they'll last, ever ready will last, you know. (laughs) Duracell will last. It's got a good charge in it. Something to think about. I don't think people think like that unless they're like Melvin. I've had a few people tell me stuff like that, but not many out of all the 40 years I've been doing this. But I was at their church teaching. I prayed over some cloths. I said, Just come up and get one. You may have a, a sick child or a relative. You could send it to them. And so this lady came forward, I don't know her, for her husband, who's a full time truck driver, he drives an 18 wheeler. And she, he, she said, He got up the next day and said, You know, I really don't feel very well. And she said, Well, here, I got a prayer cloth from Dr. Jacobs. Put it on you. And he took that prayer cloth with him. He left to get on the freeway up where they live up around Jasper Ferdinand to go towards Evansville. And somewhere between there and Evansville he fell asleep and the 18-wheeler went off the road, tore up, I thought you said 100 yards of trees, 150 150 yards of trees, went into a forest or a wooded area and just chopped everything down. Mm -hmm. And when he finally came to, he just had a fractured bone here. That's it. And State Patrol came to him, at, you know, found him, and said, uh, usually we take people home in a body bag after this kind of horrific uh, tearing up your vehicle. And it cost them $50,000 just to get the rig out of the woods. Tow bill. So let's see those pictures for just a minute. What kind of You can see what kind of damage that it did all around him. That's part of the cab from one side. There's another part. The windshield looks busted. One looks totally out. The other side looks busted on the driver's side. And uh, at, least at least 70 miles an hour, maybe a little over, you know. So praise God. And he got up the next week and said, I got to add a miracle through this prayer. <laughs> 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 I just, and some of these pastors, they hadn't seen that. I got talking about it at lunch and I said, if I can get that up, I'll show it to you tonight. Just another incident. They don't show that on Fox News normally. But anyway, even though I like Fox, but still, ain't nobody perfect but Jesus. He just reports it straight, baby. I mean, he gives you all the factors and lets you figure it out if you want to figure it out. All right, I'm going to talk a little further about the anointing tonight, but I'm going to talk about it in the framework of this concept as we start. I'm going to talk about the prophet's office because that's the office I work in. I, that's my main function. You know, when I was a pastor, and then when I first started pastoring, and I'm going to talk to you about this a minute before we get, go to Romans 11, and we're going to start there tonight. But, you know, when I first got saved and started preaching, I was so insecure anyway. I know none of you would have been that way. But I was, and didn't feel confident at all. And I would just get up and preach, and I'd have some scriptures, of course. I wasn't that stupid. But I remember I was in Illinois, I think maybe when I was in, Otisco, which would have been 78 to 82, I did a couple-day meeting over in a church in Illinois, never been back, Shawnee, Illinois. And I was in my hotel room praying in tongues, walking back and forth, and all of a sudden, like Brother Hay, something just went down in me, like click, click. And I said, Father, what's that? And he said, that's ability to teach. And when I came back from that meeting from Illinois, I was a different preacher. I was still pastoring. But it was a different deal with me. Wow. And that's happened to me several times, even just recently, if people that know me well. You know, this is more home church, so maybe it isn't as evident to some of you as it would be when I'm out and about. But that ability to teach came. So we we just really emphasized that. In the beginning years, uh, Pastor Keith uh And Pastor Dennis would tell me this all the time. You were our Bible school dad. I've had three Bible schools in this church over the years. And so we we taught people. And I wasn't the only instructor. But just being a pastor and a very thorough teacher, even back in Otisco, uh, we would get up and teach and I sometimes have 30 scriptures. And I'd make them sit there for an hour and 15, an hour and 20, because I was long winded. But they needed, in they that day, they needed everything I said, Every, even the way I breathed, they needed that. I know people think they're spiritual giants overnight, but I haven't met any, including Jesus. He wasn't that way either. He learned and grew in grace. Learned, learn what I'm saying. I'm not putting down Jesus, He's our example, but He had to learn this piece by piece too. Don't get tired of me saying the same things over. But I wonder, this is my point. And then God began to deal with me way back before I even came to seminary about the prophets' ministry. But I was so ignorant, so green, so Baptist-doctrinated. I couldn't see that. They didn't have prophets. They made fun of the. They said the prophets and apostles all passed away. That's what they taught from the pulpit. Then I went to seminary, and they reinforced it. It was rebar. Oh, my gosh. God bless their... Sweet heart, but stupid heads. And so you could see where it distanced me from the original calling came out of Jeremiah 1. I'm not turning there with you, but that was my original calling way back in the, on the farm where we lived for two years rent-free before when God was dealing with me, about coming into ministry. I know my wife will remember that night. I was in the bedroom, she's in the kitchen. Had my Bible open, came back in there crying. I said, God spoke to me. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12. And the only part that stuck out to me right then was about seven or eight, do not be afraid of their faces, because I kept arguing with him. Father, you got the wrong guy. When it comes to being a drug dealer and carrying a gun, I didn't care what anybody thought about it, but now to get up and talk to four seventh-grade boys is intimidating to me. Now, I'm just being honest. I think you know that I'm telling you the truth. You don't go to hell for lying, too. You know that, don't you? And so God started dealing, and then, but see, I had nobody to mentor me, had nobody to father me. Even my closest friends, they were all pastors, and, and some of them still, you know, back then they just called me Mike, <laughs> one of my closest friends. I had to bury him because, you know, he didn't listen to me. I told him, don't do this, and he did it anyway. <laughs> then I said, don't do that. He did it anyway. Called him and warned him by the Holy Ghost. Didn't even know where he was at in church. And I said, what kind of church are you going to? And I would tell you the name, but people get mad about me saying stuff is a denomination. I said, They're going to kill you there. Get out of there. What's wrong with you? Well, Mike, then he got cancer, and then they started slicing and dicing. When it was all done, he was done. I even went to pray for him last time I went, and he was still calling me Mike. See, I didn't even recognize what I'm telling you now. Remember the. Remember the passage in Matthew 10. If you're listening, I'm helping you. The prophet, the righteous, the disciple. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I was a prophet back then, but I didn't know that as much as I knew I had a healing. Something about healing was on me and in me. But he didn't get it. And I was crying all the way over to go see him for the last time. The Lord said, Quit your crying. If you want to cry, cry, but don't cry. Don't cry to change it because you're not going to change it. I gave him ample opportunity to repent and change, and he just ignored me, Michael. So you need to get it straight before you go there. If you want to cry with him, cry, but he, he's going to die. He's going to go to heaven. He's going to come live with me. So, okay. Are you listening? Yes. Anyway, Dr. Dufresne got into my life later. I'm going down a trail to teach you something if you pay attention. And really, you need to know where you fit. Let me just say this in a generic tone. You know what I mean? Not everybody in this church is going to be a five-fold minister. Sometimes people preach for years and years and you might have one person raised up out of 500 or one out of a thousand that can qualify to do what some of us do. It's possible, but you don't have to be in fivefold to listen to what I'm saying. You've got to figure out, this is my point to you, you need to figure out where you fit and then excel See, when I came into ministry, I didn't even want to go into ministry because I didn't feel qualified. But when I got saved, I went to the Baptist Church and offered my services. What can I do to help you, Pastor? And at the time, I was being trained as an apprentice carpenter. That means I was in training for four years under a master carpenter. I don't know if that's the right word, but in the way, journeyman. And I came in and worked with my, my tools, my tool belt, my tool box, to help do construction around the local church because I was interested in my church, interested in helping my pastor. And they finally came and asked me, would you take this class? I said, what class? Well, we've got four seventh grade boys and we don't have a man to teach it. We feel like you're the one. Me. And I'm talking about four seventh grade boys. I'm probably 22 years old now or 23. I don't remember exactly. In my 20s. 24. 24, Diana said. And I said, well, okay, and how do I do that? Well, here's a quarterly. Read the lessons and teach out of that. And that's about all they knew to do back then. And that was fine. There's good material printed. We still do that here in some of our children's church. It was Holy Ghost stuff, but that was just silly stuff. It wasn't even good milk. (laughs) I'm just talking. I'll try to get off my horse. I'm on a good one right now. (laughs) And then, then Dr. Dufresne got into my life eventually, see, after I'd given myself to just do what my hand found to do. And God started dealing me about pastoring, about preaching, about being a minister. Let me say it that way. I didn't know for sure what I could do. The only thing I knew was pastors and evangelists. And the, pa- the evangelists that came in, I'm not sure they were. They never had any miracles or signs and wonders or no healings. They just had a little more spizzle in them than the pastor. You know what I mean? Scream and yell and slobber and blow stuff out their mouth. Yeah, that's really the truth of it. Some of them may have greater anointing, but we didn't know how to receive it. If they had something, they didn't reveal it. And our church is so restricted in our dumb way of thinking. See, you know, if you just read your Bible, Ephesians 4 says, if you don't have all these five ministry gifts, now a prophet cannot stay in a local church forever. He's called to the body of Christ like I am. And not only that, I'm called to the nations. But, you know, I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying I figured that out over long. I never thought I'd leave Fairborn, Ohio. I was happy being in Fairborn, working at the cement plant and going to the Baptist church because that's all I knew to do. And I just kept doing it. Yeah. And to, and then God promoted me. Anyway, got around Dr. Dufresne. He began to minister to me about the prophet's office. And then I felt insecure once again. See, every time you change, sometimes there's a little insecurity and in you, you don't acknowledge it, probably. But, you know, oh, my gosh, how do you do that? Yeah, that's all right. And then I saw the way people treated prophets, and now they made fun of them. Mm-hmm. Oral Roberts, probably one of the most powerful men of God that I've ever heard about, and I was never around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that I know quite well, I won't tell you who it was made fun of him one time. He said, You can't you can't uh play his records because the hole heals up. That he thought that was a funny joke. I thought that was pathetic. And I didn't he wasn't even spirit filled then. That kind of talk gonna get you killed after a while. So you know, being a prophet I'm thinking, oh my God. Then I read Brother Hagin's book. That discouraged me more. It was great revelation, but he said you're gonna get criticism like never before and scrutinized because people don't understand how prophets think and why they do what they do. Boy, that has been true. Yeah. All the pastors I knew back when I was a pastor, I don't know any of them anymore, and they've all rejected me. Take it or leave it. You don't like it, then go home. But that's just, if you're going to really do God's will and God tells you to do something, not everybody's thrilled about it. Right. That's right. Not even your own mama and daddy sometimes. Yeah, and your brothers and sisters are jealous like they were David or somebody. I'm just talking to you. So I'm talking tonight primarily about the prophet's ministry in my life. I'm still learning more about it. I'd like to teach in more depth, but I'm just talking about the prophet's ministry, listen carefully, and the healing anointing or the healing endowment in my life tonight. But I, you could you find yourself in here somewhere where I'm teaching, not as a prophet or a healer, but as whatever your role is in the body of Christ. I remember Brother Joe Ruder. I don't think he's here tonight, is he? Him and Liz, we put him back. They wanted to work in the preschool. They worked back there 12 years. They never complained one iota to me. Never. They thought it was thrilling to be with the preschoolers. And they were spiritual people. One lady came, begged me to put her back there. Donna was with me. I said, Are you sure? Oh, yeah, I'm going to work with the preschoolers. Two weeks later, she's knocking on my door, Get me out of there. I thought you said you was called to do it. I can't take it. I said, well, lady, you go home and figure out what you're called to do and then come back and see me, but be sure you know or I may not let you do what you think you're called because you are jacked around person. Did you say that? Yeah, because she was a messed up person. I was trying to jar her into some reality. See, I know you think I'm uncouth and too raw but you don't have any idea I'm trying to help people <laughs> and if they don't listen then sometimes I just got to let them bang their head on the wall till they got a head full of knots but Liz and Joe they went back there and they just partied with the preschoolers and taught them spiritual things and prayed over them laid hands on them and every time I saw them they had a good report we had a great time in preschool this Sunday Dr. Jacobs hey hallelujah yeah amen now, see, that's better than somebody that don't want to be back there that think they're doing me or them a favor. You're not doing anybody a favor. But you. my point is, you are never called to sit in a pew or a chair, whatever we call this deal now, and just sit and come, sit and come, sit and go, and never do nothing. That's, God doesn't anoint anybody to do nothing. Right. Yeah. Some of the best people I've ever met have been greeters at churches. Yes. And some of the worst people I've ever met have been greeters at churches. I don't know why they put them here, or are him. They were a mess. Anyway. All right. You're still staying with me so far. You're doing pretty good. I'm in rare form. But Romans eleven thirteen. I want us to look at this verse a minute and talk about it. And it pertains to everybody. But, you know, I'm in a five-fold ministry office. There's a ministry of exhortation like my wife has that. When that's on her, she can get up and say in 30 seconds, And somebody just changes her whole direction because she has a gift of exhortation. I'm not only a prophet, I've become, over a long period of time now, I've become more of a distributor. So, you know, so I'm helping my sons and daughters with their projects when I can and at different levels depending on what God tells me. I'm going to do whatever he tells me. It don't matter to me. I go down to zero, I'm coming back up again but you got to be see all of those things you have to learn over a period of time I didn't get there overnight and you won't either in any of these but what I'm saying is whatever you're called to do there should be an anointing on you and you should eventually get into the fullness of whatever you're called to do Brother Les and Mary Dale and Arlene Brother Sean and Jenny loyal I mean not 100% I'd say 200% for those three couples and there's some others I could mention too, so don't get offended if I don't call your name. That's a problem for people. You didn't mention me. Well, I didn't think about you at that moment, okay? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm doing a job trying to preach. Yeah, that's right. But people that are that loyal and that committed stand out to me. Right. And more important, they stand out to God. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. All right. Romans eleven, I, you know, I'm down, I've been trying to preach this. Eleven thirteen, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Now, in this case, he says that he's an apostle. In Another place, he's called a teacher and a prophet. But he says, "I am the apostle of the Gentiles." I magnify my office. Now, notice that he's not magnifying himself. See, the discerning minds, discerning hearts, gets, get, you get a hold of what I'm saying. Well, tonight I'm not talking about Michael Jacobs in the flesh. I'm talking about the mantle and the anointing and endowment in my life, at least in parts, not everything, but it's part of what I am as a prophet. And Paul said, I magnify my office. I like what Dr. Dufresne said when I don't magnify my shortcomings. That's the problem with most humans. The devil gets in there and says, You shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't. And then you begin to major on what you shouldn't have done. And you're beat up. You beat yourself up. You self induce. You sabotage your own life by your criticism of yourself. You need to judge yourself, but you never judge yourself to keep beating on yourself. Learn something from me. I'll help you if you'll pay attention. I mean, if they did that, none of the apostles would have stayed with it. I mean Peter would always sticking his foot in his mouth, both feet I think, sometimes. <laughs> I magnify my office. One of the best teachers I ever heard, Dr. Efrain, about the President of the United States, whether you like him or don't like him, it makes no difference to me. He's still our president, and he's in an office. I don't mean the Oval Office, I mean the office of the President of the United States of America, one of the most powerful men in yeah. the earth. Come on. And before he got, of course, he was very rich anyway. And I don't think he even takes his salary. But just for the most part, listen to what I'm saying. You get in that office, you get a credit card that never maxes out. Come on. And we know for a fact that Obama, he's a great speaker. Oh, my goodness. Some preachers almost covet that gift. He was a great speaker, still is, a good orator. I don't believe in his doctrine, but I'm not criticizing the man, but I don't believe like he believes. I don't believe in killing babies and a lot of other things. But my point is to you, you get in that office, all of a sudden you own a 747. I don't think too many people have ever rode in one. But it's a private jet, the biggest jet they make in the world that I know anything about as far as largeness. And one time he wanted to take his wife to New York it's $150,000 just to start the engines on those planes. You've got to take 100 people with you, Secret Service to guard you. All that comes with the office. Yes. People criticize you. You spend all that kind of money to take your wife to dinner, it's none of your business. Right. He's in an office, that goes with his office. Yes. Yes. You know, if you'd learn something, whatever office you stand in may not be fivefold, but you've got a you've got your own world and your own anointing, and you have something that goes with that that God gives his ability with that office. That's right. And resources. And resources. I mean, here I am, I'm 70 years old, believing for an airplane, and these low life rock bands that are doing all kinds of atrocious things that I won't mention in the sky on jets that are paid for maybe several and cars I don't even know how to drive yet and nobody thinks anything about just be a sinner and just be a Come on. and I'm just a holy man of God trying to get somewhere to preach the gospel I'm not trying to go on vacation what's wrong with that picture something is drastically wrong with that picture and then some people in the body all he wants is my money well I sure don't have it (laughs) I don't want your money I would like you to listen tonight be respectful I'm trying to teach you something every fivefold ministry has a something that goes with that office equipment like my son he needs a building it's hard to meet in a tent for year after year you can get those big heaters that you know flame up but it isn't very comfortable for the people to sit there come on but I don't. I'm on the road trying to travel. Took me 30 hours to get there one year to a certain church in America, and the last trip I took took me two and a half hours Come on. Yes, nice. in my in a jet that I rented. Yeah. Come on, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I magnify my office. That's what I'm trying to do with you. I'm not talking about me as a person. Of course, me and me and the, I'm still the same person, but I'm not talking about what I am in my flesh. Yes. Yes. Or who I was born to, but, you know, Jacobs. Really, that's not my real last name, but it is now because I've been adopted. But anyway, nonetheless, I'm just talking to you. Are you paying attention? Yes. All right, so we're talking about, let's go to Isaiah 10. Talking about anointing tonight. In, in all the offices. And, and, you know, if you're part of the body of Christ, hey, you've got an anointing to be a part of the body of Christ. These people, my opinion, the people in the sound booth, they're critical. They can make me sound lousy or make me sound good. And for the most part, I think they do a wonderful job back there. They've been well-trained. And they, when I ask for scripture, sometimes they pull them up even though I didn't call them. And see, I haven't been trained that way. Jordan was, so he calls them. I didn't call anybody today, give them anything. That's not the way I think. I'm not trying to be rude to you back there. If you can find the scripture I go to, that's fine. If you can't, that's fine. It's just me. This is the way I preach. You understand? What I, but I appreciate them being, there's three people that I can see. There may be somebody else back there, but three. And they're there all the time. Not them, but somebody like them. And there's somebody outside. I hired police to be in our parking lot every night for this meeting. I already hired them for Sunday morning. I'm just talking. And I'm footing the bill. Not the church. And glad to do it. Amen. See, but you have to be anointed to do those things or you get to, after a little while, man, I got to go up there and work today. Well, God bless you. Why don't you just quit if you feel like that? Or certainly get with God and get a little bit of flavor on you where you can at least smile a little bit that you're coming to church to do your part. I'm not criticizing everybody. I'm just talking to everybody here, including the preachers. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you don't like what you're doing, then stop it or quit it or change your vocation. Yes. Yes, Some of this is just goes with the territory. On the negative side, you got to deal with a lot of things if you're going to pastor people. Yes, you're going to be a prophet, you got to deal with things. People criticize me sometimes. I don't go to the Internet and listen to people that And I don't listen to people when they tell me I'm great or they think I'm wonderful. I appreciate it, but that's as far as it goes. I don't let it get in my ego and Uh go, oh, wow, I'm important. No, I'm not. I'm just a humble man trying to serve Jesus. That's all I've ever tried to do. Amen. Amen. I know where I come from, a guy eating out of a dumpster with a needle hanging out of my arm, period. Come on. If I have anything in life, if I've achieved any level of success, it's all because of him. But I don't back down from telling people that. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> Hallelujah. Yep. not ashamed of Jesus and not ashamed of what he's done in my life. On. Acts, uh, uh, not Acts, Isaiah 10, 27. I, want to, I got to move a little quicker here. But it's pretty good. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Verse 27, And it shall come to pass in that day, and I don't have time. Well, we, we may go over there in a minute. Yeah, we will maybe. It, it shall come to pass in that day. The day he's talking about is a scripture I'm going to show you out of Luke in a minute. It was that day. But it says it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. The anointing of God's the power of God coming on flesh to do things flesh can't do. I'm telling you. I am telling you. I remember one time I was... During the time I had that pain in my side, I don't know how many years I'd suffered with that. Several. Maybe five, maybe seven. And uh, I was traveling minister then. I wasn't pastoring. And somebody asked me to come preach Sunday night. And I was in so much pain. I went in my office and laid down at home. I had an office in my home. I lived in Charlestown. I told Diana, don't bother me. Well, you know, I'm in there praying. And I, I said to the Lord, Lord, I've pushed every button and and pulled every lever and I'm still hurting and I I said I guess I need to go tonight because I need money to feed my family but man right now this is not any fun you say that I sure did and I I said I'm going to go ahead and pray in tongues for the meeting I went ahead and prayed 30 minutes later and I yelled at her I thought I told you to leave me alone Uh, Dennis Enders is on the phone from Germany he said to get you, he wanted to talk to you. Now, Dennis Enders, you don't know him probably. Uh, Susan Gedney's sister and her husband uh, lived in Hopkinsville. Hopkinsville down by, what's Campbell, the military? Fort Campbell. Fort Campbell. And, I, and Dennis Enders was a helicopter pilot at the time for the 101st Airborne. And he called me based on uh, knowing Susan and what was her sister, Sandra, her, her sister's name was Sondra, and her husband, they were really wonderful people to me. And Dennis called me and wanted to talk to me about coming and doing a Bible study on base for the military people. And I said, Really? And he said, Yeah, I heard you, somebody told me you could teach and you're traveling. I said, So I went, and I really, him and Carol, they were really wonderful people to me and genuine intercessors. They knew how to get a hold of God. I mean, I got, I got on the phone that day. I'm moving it forward now when I'm in the they pain, mean. and I said, Don't bother me, and I was yeah. going to go preach somewhere. They Yeah, they went to Germany for four. And they said, we picked you up about 10 minutes ago in the spirit. What is going on with you? And so because of his stature in my mind, him and Carol, I just told him everything I knew to tell him about my body and how I was suffering. And he said, okay, we're on it. We're going to stay on it until we get a breakthrough. Bye. I hung up at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, went to my meeting that night. I preached a meeting. I don't know if I ministered or not. And a lady that I trusted from Louisville Trinity Church. What was her name? Eloise McGraw. Some of you may know who I'm talking about. You know her. She's a very honorable lady, very spiritual lady. And she came up to me after the service. And she said, I got a scripture to give you and I don't understand a word that it says. This sickness is not unto death. Do you understand that? I said, I sure do. But I didn't tell her everything. I said, but I understand it. And I went back home and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm still talking about this anointing. That destroys every (laughs) yoke. And I'm sitting on the couch. We had like an L shaped couch. I'm sitting on this side of it. And just all of a sudden, I was about 10 o'clock at night. I'd preached that night, came home. Diana was in the room with me. This wind started at the wall of my house facing me, and it went just about that fast. And I said, I just got delivered. I just got delivered, and then I did I said Dennis and Carol, they got it, Hallelujah. they got something because I was so discouraged, so depressed. Am I relating to anybody? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They got a hold of God, and God sent something to me—that wind of God—and from Germany, and it just knocked something out of me. Hallelujah. Wow, the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. One time my wife and I, because of my sickness, we got in that $20,000 debt, and we were struggling anyway in some areas at that time, and something got a hold of my wife because she's the accountant for the family, and she felt like something came on her at time. (coughs) It would start choking her, and I'd have to pray for her. She felt like she couldn't breathe. stress. Stress. Feeling like you couldn't breathe almost. Yeah, but she got delivered. All of a sudden it broke off of her. Doctor Dr. Dufresne, Dufresne was here. He pointed to her and that thing broke off of her. See the yoke head. around your neck will be removed. Of course here's another we just sang that song this is how I win my battles. Yes, Thank you Amsie for changing that word. I tell him when to change words but I didn't tell him about that but I like his forethought. We get to get things in the right tense so we can win every battle if we do that. What was I saying? About the anointing destroying the yoke around the neck. Yeah, right. Oh, see, we sang that song, but we're not praising worshiping God because the devil's got us I don't know how I'm gonna get out of this mess. What do you mean, praise God? I'm dying here. I don't have money. I don't have my mental health. I don't have See that's the devil trying to throw throttle You back where you won't praise God, you won't thank Him for anything. You're worried about what you don't have, what it should be, and it's not. And you're still going to stay not too if you think like that. But if you'll praise Him for what you do have and thank Him for what's coming, things will start coming. Faith never goes backwards. You know, I don't know how many, I don't know how many my sons and daughters I've told this to get what you want. And I don't know how many vehicles I've helped pastors to get all over the planet. I mean, I haven't even counted them all up, but probably 20 by now. I just helped a couple of my sisters and pastors' wives get cars in the last year. And one of them said to me, you know, I really would like to get this car. And I said, let me stop you. I know what you're going to say, but it costs. Get what you want. Get what you want. I can guarantee your people in your church... If they had their brothers, they would get what they want and then some. add all the bells and whistles and they could care less what you think about it. They could stop tithing, we never know it, never started to begin with because they wanted this or wanted, but that's not true of you. You get what you want. Yeah, but it costs X amount of dollars. I don't want to tell you because you're the throttle you. You go, oh my God, a pastor owns a car like that? What difference does it make what kind of car they own? They didn't steal it. I'd like to say something, I just don't know if I should. (laughs) There's an anointing for every yoke. Even if you don't know what the yoke is called, it's got a name, and every yoke can be destroyed because of the anointing. Every yoke. Sometimes it's personal yokes that are so private you don't want to even tell me. But I know a couple of pastors confided in me in the last three years, and they both got delivered from something kind of serious if they'd have continued along that line. Yes, because they said, I, I want to come talk to you because I, I am just tormented. And I'm not making fun of them when they say that. I'm not wanting to hear anything that I shouldn't hear, but they trust me. And I said, well, if you'll come and be honest, I'll meet with you, sure, and help you. And both of them told me later, my God, when you laid hands on me and rebuked that thing, it broke off of my mind, it broke off of my body, it broke off my emotions, and I've been a different person ever since. And I always ask them, does your wife think so? Yes. I say, well, then you're delivered. Amen. Amen. little joke there, kind of. <laughs> personal yokes, you can have personal things in your life. And some people just live and die with stuff like that because they won't ever give it up. They don't ever get honest enough to share yeah. anything or come up and just believe in their own heart. If I lay hands on you, that'll leave you. Yeah, that's right. How about financial yokes? Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm telling you, God has so blessed us so far. And we've got Pastor Luke in the morning taking the offering. I know he can take an offering. Yeah. And I'm just saying, I've been so refreshed by those taking the offerings. Yeah. Pastor Alvin, I've never heard you any better. Yes. And you've been with me, what, 10 years, I'm guessing? Going on 13. Going on 13. My goodness, how time flies when we're having fun. <laughs> how about physical yokes? You've got a physical problem don't seem to budge. That can be broken off. How about mental stuff that gets on your mind? And though it's not a physical problem, it causes you torment to some level or vexation. And you just continue to stay in that area. See, don't let the devil do that to you. Get under the anointing. And those of us who are anointed, and sometimes just preaching will break it off of you. But a lot of times in my ministry, I need to lay my hands on people if I can do that. And then here's another one, ministry. Yokes. Some people get into ministry and but they never go anywhere. They just stay right there. No vision, no no improvement, no build a building, buy a building, build a building, something, remodel, do something. I'm telling you not if I go before her, I said, Do not put on my tombstone was just stayed mediocre. You put he was always pressing. Amen. Hallelujah. So sometimes ministry yokes get at a certain level and they just stay there. Somebody needs to come into your life that can speak to you to break that off of your brain and, and move you forward. No, we're not competing with one another when I say that. It's not the size of your congregation I'm concerned about. It's you that you're just stifled at a certain level and you can't see beyond that. I've dealt with humans in the body of Christ all my life. 43, And there's those in this church, mind, mind me, of that they also want to change. But I know somebody like a flock family that came in that lived by a house that flooded every time it rained, and drove beat up cars, and were having at that time some marital issues. And we've all had marital issues if we're honest, if we've been married more than a year. Anyway, <laughs> and God, did, they just got a hold of God when I taught it first less, then Mary, and have been faithful all these years. Look what God has done in their life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Dale too and others people, they, we've all come up together. Not because of me, but because of the office and because of the word we're preaching. Where am I at here? Okay, Let, let's go over here to Luke 4 quickly. Luke 4, I haven't even got into my main stuff, but it's been pretty good, I think. Yes, <laughs> Luke 4. Luke 4 and verse 18. I want to read this to you because... It's important to know this was Jesus' job description, but you have one too. 4.18, let's read it quickly. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, uh, Jesus said, upon me, it's not just within him, he's upon him for ministry, because he's anointed me. So he's talking about the anointing being upon him to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering sight to the blind, Uh, to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Look at verse 21. And he began to say unto them, this day. Remember I read in Isaiah, in that day. This is the day. He's given his job description of the anointing. That's what I've been talking about tonight, the anointing. Last night we talked about it. it. His anointing makes me what? Strong and mighty. And it makes everybody strong and mighty, not just the preachers. But this was Jesus' job description. Now, my point to bring this out is to say, what is your job description? You need to, you know, as you grow in the Lord, and everybody may not know that now, and it may change even as we grow. I've just told you about myself starting as a carpenter just to help around the church and then start teaching. And then after I taught, I don't know, maybe a year or two, they asked me to teach the senior high class. I think that was 11 and 12, uh, junior seniors in high school. And they asked her to teach. Then they asked us both to take what they called training union, which was all the youth on Sunday night from 7th grade to 12th grade. And we did that. And then we we just continued to do what God told us to do. So here what I'm trying to show you is you've got to figure out what your job description is. The reason that I always bring up healing like I do, it's not because I need to do that for me but I do indirectly because I need to hear about it and hear myself talk, and sometimes I say things I didn't know I knew. But the main thing is if I don't continue to stay on it with the healing endowment he gave me, like Dr. Dufresne says, I start getting sick and my finances dry up. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I'm in disobedience. I think teaching Revelation is fine, but you're never going to hear me teach it because that's not my calling. I have no interest. I can read it because it said blessed to you who read it. And I got my opinion about how things are going to work out in the end. But clearly that's not important to me. I'm living right now. Right. Yeah. Amen. And I'm trying to fulfill my calling in God, which includes healing and deliverance. I have a deliverance ministry. And, all, you know, I'm not here to brag on me. It's all that God. Go to 1 Peter 4. I'm still talking about finding your place in that anointing. And you're going to have to talk to God about that. How many know what I'm saying? You're going to have to ask Father, where does my anointing strongest at? I know Miss Brooke here. Here's a little side thought. Miss Brooke has been just so superb at doing videos for me, and I don't know that I've ever even paid her. Sean will call her if I want to do. Because sometimes I'll kick it on. I say, well, I want to send a video to Mexico. Because I'm going there coming up, and we'll probably ask her to come. And she always makes time for me, puts a mic on me. She's got a professional camera, she's a professional photographer, and others take pictures too, but nobody is in her realm, in my opinion, especially the videos. And they, they really come out well, and everybody I send them to acts like it's important and they've enjoyed it. So now, see, out of hold this church, there may be two or three more, but I don't know about you. I'm going to use her as long as she's available. You know what I mean, In the right user, in the right way to help me yes, with that because she has anointing. How about Morgan Cook? Yes. How about Michael Manning? Yes. Yes. These two particularly, other than Sean, help me more in my personal ministry than probably any other person in this church mm-hmm. other than Jenny. Jenny does my books, I mean my tapes and books and duplication and Sean helps me immensely all the time in every capacity. Yeah. And Donna, too. And Dale, too. And Arlene, too. And Diana, too. You really helped me, honey. Well, I think Donna a, is a premium person. And I would recommend. Just ask who? I she had Jenny. Oh, she had Jenny, okay. But I told Victoria Parker, if she ever ran for president, I'd vote for her twice. <laughs> this lady can get some things done. I'm telling you. All right, First Peter 4, verse 10 and 11. That's our little private joke. But I, like, I know all my sons and daughters. And now notice this. This is talking about every person, every boy, and girl, man, and woman that's in Christ. As every person, man... But when it says man, it means person has received the gift. That's uh, charismata, the gifts of the holy, Go- the gift of the Holy Ghost first of all, and then whatever flows out of that, even to minister the same one to another. So I'm called to minister out of what I have in me, as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. See, a good stu- a steward is somebody who doesn't own what he has, but he's helping his overseer to be faithful to him, to use what he's given to his hands to use. Thank you. I think it's fairly decent. If any man or person, boy or girl, speaks, let him speak as the oracles. That's just a fancy word for the words of God. Speak the word of God. If you're going to speak, speak the word of God. Like we learned last night, you remember what it say about Paul? My speech and my preaching doesn't come with man's wisdom, comes with demonstration of the spirit and of the power. So if you're going to speak, do it as in line with the Word of God. If any man minister, this is talking about a little different attitude. Maybe prayer lines, laying on of hands, deliverance, healing, things like that. Or however God wants to use you. Now I know Richard Roberts, he operates in Word of Knowledge like I do, but he operates a little different. He doesn't normally lay hands on anybody. He just gets it by the Spirit and calls it out and God brings it to pass. I've had that happen some, but mostly... Typically, he uses me to lay hands on people. I may call it out, but then if I can get to the people and they'll come, then I lay hands on them. Now still, that doesn't mean everybody gets it because not everybody's in a position to receive. Yeah, that's right. It's Amen. Too full, it's two-sided here. I'm going to bring this out in a minute. You know, just because somebody has something doesn't mean you get it, though they're willing to release it. Yeah. They didn't get much from Jesus over at Nazareth. Why? Because they are offended at him. He said something that bothered him. They just thought of him as a carpenter guy down in Joe's carpenter shop, his daddy's shop. Prophet, who do you think you are? You little punk. That's the way they were talking and thinking. And then Jesus went on to give us more and a prophet's without honor in his own family, among his own kin. So I'm just giving you a fair one up. Be careful because you've become so familiar with me because you've been around me a long time. I'm just Mike then you can get what Mike can give you and that's it. Yes, sir. And I'm not being you don't know, it's not about you calling me something it's about you understanding what's in it. Same for Jordan as Pastor Jordan. Though he's young, he's still anointed to be a pastor. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Man, can he preach. Amen. If any man minister let him do it as of the ability of God, what would that be? See if you know. The anointing. Yes. It's his ability flowing through us that gets that done that God may be glorified. He gets all the glory. So now let's move on here just a minute. Here. So let me say this one more time. Verse ten, eleven. find out what you're called to do. And I'm not here to teach on that tonight, but at the same time, you can ask God. Was it in Luke 11, it says, ask and you might receive. <laughs> ask and you will receive. Knock and it'll be open, etc. So if you're asking, you're going to receive. Eventually it may not be the first moment you open your mouth. Where is my strength at, Father? In what way can I plug in at Church on the Rock or wherever you pastor telling your you? What way can you pl- I plug in and be helped? Dan has been a great blessing and Trish to me. I don't know of anybody in this church that edifies me quite like Trish Wells. I mean for 40 years. And I don't even talk to her every service. And when we had three services a week, I might not. we might not talk for a month or two. But every time she's talking to me, she makes me feel 10 feet tall because she respects me and she gets something from me. Now, you don't try to do that to me on one Sunday because you wear me out. Fifty of you come up and do stuff. Don't do that. I'm just showing you what I know. And then Brother Dan here, he's kind of stealth. I don't know. One minute I look, he's over there. Then he's over here. Then he's back here. Then he's got handkerchiefs. I mean, he's just a... He's just smooth. <laughs> but he's been a real help to me for many, many years. And I'm telling you, he's just really, there's a wonderful couple here. You know, they're not real flamboyant. Now, some of his cars are flamboyant, <laughs> but he's not flamboyant. But they just been Steady Eddie's. Yes. Steady Eddie. That's what I call Donna, Steady Eddie. All right, so you still with me? Let me, let me go down a little, another trail with you for just a second here and talk to you. Uh, let's, uh, I'm talking to you about, according to 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11, find out what you're called to do. Don't quit doing what you're doing, but find out where your anointing's at. Yeah, yeah. You know what? This dawns on me. I'm going to remind you. I read it to you last night, just so you don't forget it. In uh, Psalm 92, I think it was verse 14, I read from the Passion... King Jimmy says, they'll still bear fruit in old age. They'll be fat and flourishing. Don't mean your dress size goes up or your pants belt goes up, men. It means you'll be full of anointing and you'll flourish even as an older person. Now, why would you be anointed as an older person? For no reason. Sit and watch TV? Play shuffleboard? Play bingo? I don't think so. You must have been the older people were so anointed... That we went to them because of the la- the, the, the the help me find, the, the dominion of wisdom in them. Yes. Yes. I mean I told ladies for years. Of course, I never met with a lady alone. Anyway, Donna was always there. I said, if you want to talk to her about more personal stuff, make appointment, come see Donna. She's a smart lady. She's a spiritual lady. She's been <laughs> married, had babies, in the whole nine yards. Talk to her. Amen. If you don't want to talk to me about something too personal, then. Get with somebody that knows something that's spiritual, not some goofball that wants to manipulate you. Yeah, and I won't go down that trail. But find out where your anointing is at and let God use you. So, what I'm saying, why would God anoint older people that have been with God all those years to do nothing? I think it's pretty evident to you if you go to nursing homes, most of those people are impaired. I'm not making fun. I'm not making fun. Don't take it that way. But most because either they didn't pay attention to how they lived their life, they didn't pay attention, listen to me carefully, how they thought about living a long time. And I would guarantee practically none of them fought getting older. And if you're not careful, you slip into this. What is that word when you feel like you deserve something but you don't? What's that called? Entitlement. Entitlement. Oh my, my God, I'm old. I paid my dues. Who do you think you are? Well, who do you think you are? You owe everything to Jesus. You ought to be paying Him back by helping the body of Christ. Come on! Amen. I wonder about some of these older men and women yeah. that don't want to do anything anymore. Come on. Come on. And some of them never done anything when they're younger. Anointed to do what? You're not anointed to do nothing. There's no such thing as an anointing to sit on your bohonkas. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight, but. Trying to help you. Now, I'm trying to get to the main pivotal point. I wanted to... (laughs) (laughs) The bohunk is at your rear end. He didn't anoint you to sit on your rear end and just sit. Misconceptions about people relative to the people have a relative to the prophet. So here's a misconception. I want to talk to you about the prophet specifically a minute. Many think that a prophet is supposed to do nothing but prophesy. But the foremost ministry of the prophet is to preach or teach the word, just like the other four. Now, I get prophecies, uh, and sometimes I would say in the last 10 years more privately than anything, and then, and then I'll minister to people sometime at a meal or sometimes at a home. Different things. I do minister publicly, of course, but that's not my number one deal, just to prophesy. Number two, a prophet does more than prophesy. In fact, very often when he's given forth the revelation of the moment, I just gave a prophecy here not too long ago. He is not prophesying at all. He's just telling what he's revealed to him in the Spirit. For example, Agabus in Acts eleven twenty-eight signified by the Spirit that there would be a great drought. You know, I've told you for a long time now, a couple years, we're coming into prosperity in America like you've never seen before. Now that's for those who love God and want to do it. And even, the, even the heathen, if they work hard, they'll prosper. Yeah. But how much more the body of Christ? Yeah. Right. Now you've got to learn to handle money. Listen to me carefully. This is one area that I'm very reluctant to tell people about because people can't handle any level of wealth hardly at all. Right. That's right. And that separates people that are babyhood. Their whole life because they can't handle larger sums of money. Now, if you don't live right, how larger sums of money just allow you to sin bigger? Right. Yeah. Like Norville said. know mm-hmm. yeah. you know, Hollywood money, if you're a Hollywood head, just allows you to have more parties yeah. and more debaucheries yeah. and more sin, mm-hmm. and pretty soon nothing satisfies you. Sex don't satisfy, drugs don't satisfy, alcohol doesn't satisfy. And you're just left to yourself. Okay. I know you're not Hollywood people, but people can get the wrong thing. Money is a tool you use. It's not something you're trying to accumulate, but you can use it to bless the body of Christ. That's what I do. That's the only program I have going for me, what I give. That's it. And it's working pretty well. A prophet does more than have revelations. People get into error who think I'm called to be a prophet. And they might be, but they're always trying to have a revelation or always trying to prophesy. You ever met somebody like that? Yeah. Always trying to prophesy. I'd tell the story, but it'd take me too long about Otisco. <laughs> you yeah. know. And it says, before anything else, a prophet would be a preacher or a teacher of the Word. Jesus said John the Baptist was a great prophet, yet we have no record that John ever foretold anything. Rather, he foretold or preached the message of the kingdom of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Here's another fact about prophets. The laying on of hands ministry goes with the prophet's ministry. Now, any believer could lay hands on the sick and they recover. You understand what I'm saying? But we're talking about a ministry of laying on of hands where there's a tangible anointing and stuff. The laying on of hands goes with the prophet's ministry. A healing ministry, here's another factor, a healing ministry goes along with the prophet's office typically. And when the prophet exercises the gifts of healings or any ministry function, it's a prophet's ministry in operation. Isn't that interesting? I think that's real interesting. Now, I wanted to say this in closing here. Just give me a minute or two more and I'll be through with what I wanted to say here. Uh, you know, this started happened to me about eight or ten years ago. I started, of course, I've been going to meetings for, you know, 40 years. But this started happening about eight or ten years ago. I started going to meetings and normally I try to get away from the crowd after I'm done preaching because I'm done. It's not, I'm not being rude. I don't want to talk to you. But then when I do stay around, a lot of times, typically, this is just being honest. Somebody asked me a stupid question. Like the book of Revelation. I went to a church, I won't mention where it's at, and was in the back room eating a sandwich. A guy came in, just the average guy that was in the service. What do you think about the four-headed frog in the book of Revelation, Dr. Jacobs? And I said, I saw your face. You were in that meeting with me just a minute ago, weren't you? Yes, sir. What did I teach? You taught on angels. Why don't you ask me something about that? I don't know. Well, I don't know nothing about no four-headed frog, period. (laughs) You see, you can understand now why I don't want to just linger because all the weirdnesses come out of people to the prophet." No, I'm being honest with you. Dr. DeFrame told me that. Brother Hagen said that. Norval Hayes said that. And on and on, I could go. And it's just what, because of what we have in us, sometimes we draw the weirdness out of people as well as good things out of people. Now, not everybody's done me that way, but a lot of, but anyway, as people started, when I would linger, people started coming up and a lady came up to me, a man came up and said, you know, last night when you prayed for me to be delivered from alcoholism, and he started doing this. Stop. What does this mean? I couldn't walk without my knees creaking. Did I pray for you about your knees? No, sir. What did I pray for you? About being delivered from alcoholism. I got in your prayer line for deliverance and got delivered, but God healed my knees. And he said, I walked up and down steps last night. He kept doing that to me. And without any noise out of my knees. I got totally healed. And you, I said, Did I say anything about knees? Even close to your thigh or your foot? No, nope, nothing. You just pray for me. And I thought, and I went away thinking, Boy, that's different. Then I prayed for a lady in Brother Dr. Rogan's church. I don't remember what. Let me see. I may have wrote it down, what she told me about. I call her Sister Blacktop because she wears black a lot. Uh, and she's not a macabre person either. But anyway, I prayed for her for migraine headaches, and she sent me a card said you know you prayed for migraines I quit having them but I also had motion sickness so severe I couldn't hardly drive around the city without being sick and said that left me too I said, did I say anything about that? Nope, you didn't mention it at all. So I started seeing this pattern come to me 10 years ago, and I went to the Lord, what, what's this all about? He said, that's that healing anointing kicking in more and more, and people come, and you'll pray for them about one thing, but sometimes they will be healed of two or three things that you didn't even bring up, because the same anointing that got them what they came for would get other issues in their life. Well, here's another example. Miss Misty prayed for her. She got healed of nine or ten diseases. Yeah, tumor. Huh? And a tumor under her armpit about that size. I mean, you know, I'm not bragging on me. I didn't do it. I'm just a carrier. I'm the UPS guy for Jesus. That's right. That's right. Amen. So the Lord said to me, it's that healing. I said, well, Lord, you're the only one I remember talking about that. I don't, I'm reluctant to say something publicly. I know I'm hearing you. Can you? I said, I'm going to go back over to Brother Hagan's material on Dr. Dufresne. And I did. And this is what Brother Hagin says. A healing ministry goes along with the prophet's Uh, office a particular gift of healing that someone has like ministering healing for eyes or ears or tumors will work in that area but the anointing the healing anointing will work for everyone will get them all healed of different physical conditions that way so he validated what Jesus told me of course that just makes sense he knew Jesus too and he operated that way here's brother Hagen I mean uh, Dr. Dufresne An endowment towards a specific need, like, you know, praying for bones or praying for. And I have some of those gifts too. But he says it's a specific need, but a tangible anointing will work for every need as the one in need releases their faith. So both of them agreed with what Jesus told me. So now I got three witnesses. I must be in pretty good shape. Okay, let's see here. What else I want to say here? Uh, Just, I'm about ready to wrap it up here. I wanted to say barriers to the anointing and the healing anointing going in. I just wrote a couple of them down. Strife. If you're in strife, you would repent before you get up here. Be advisable. Number two, unbelief. Because you're believing something other than what the anointing can do. And we already found out that the anointing destroys the yoke. And because it's written that way, the Lord said to me many years ago, back to Isaiah ten twenty seven. Did you ever realize the anointing destroys the yoke? Then there must be an anointing for every yoke, Michael. I said, wow. See, he's teaching me as I'm meditating on Isaiah 10, this over 20-year period or whatever, but he told me that about 10 years ago or further back. Then fear and doubt will will hinder things. If you're fearful, whether you're going to get it. If you doubt, you're going to get it. Here's another one, unforgiveness. About a person or a situation. You know, what would just be amazed how many people are in unforgiveness. And... uh you know, I, I listened one time to, uh, what is his name? T.D. Jakes, thank you. I don't agree with him about his teaching on healing at all. But he was teaching on unforgiveness one time, and I was in my living room, and man, he got my attention. And I sat down and started listening to him, that man of God. And he said, you know, Jesus would not have been able to be raised from the dead if he hadn't said, Lord, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Man, that went off of me. I thought, what a revelation. Because he'd have gone to hell with unforgiveness. He couldn't have got out. So it just, and I'd already been teaching on unforgiveness in every meeting I've been in for the last four or five years. I bring it up at least once, whether I'm teaching it or not. And then last resentment. We just kind of quit resenting people about anything, don't resent other people. Now, uh, praise the Lord. So I wanted to ask you a couple questions, and I'm going to minister in general. But is there anybody here? You know, I went over my prophecies. I keep reading them, and I find different things I don't ever minister about as much as I should. So God forgive me. You forgive me. If you have a hard time smelling or tasting, I'd like you to come up here. Anybody have those problems? Problems able to smell correctly or taste correctly? Because the Lord gave me that in my prophecies. You can just leave this here, gentlemen, for now. Come on, line up.